What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Built Different Podcast. My name is Zach Clinton. I'll be your host. And as we continue to grow, I'll have friends joining me each week to interview some of the leading experts in the fields of motivational speaking, mental health, ministry, and even sports. Our goal is to instill hope, encouragement, and motivation in and through your life today. And our prayer is that after each episode, you'd be more equipped and encouraged to look, love, and live more like Christ from the inside out. That's our definition of what it means to be built different. So I hope you're ready. You better buckle up. Let's roll. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to this week's edition of the Built Different Podcast. I hope you guys have had uh, just an incredible weekend. I hope you guys are having a great start to the week as well. Uh, For us here in the Central Virginia area, it was a beautiful weather weekend. Had the opportunity of going out to the lake, spending some time with my beautiful wife, Evelyn, and my parents, and just really getting out on the boat, on the water, and just really enjoying some peace and some rest and some serenity from just the craziness of this life that we find ourselves in. You guys, that's kind of the topic of conversation that we're going to be going in today. Because there's no question, if you look around us, um, it's no surprise that we're in trouble as a culture and as a society with emotional woes tearing at the edges of our collective well-being. And what I'm referring to here is, uh, yes, it's stark, but it's something that must be discussed. Let's be honest, I've said it on here several times, before the COVID-19 pandemic, we found ourselves in a mental health crisis in this country. But following the pandemic, and for the last several years now, we found ourselves in a mental health disaster. You don't have to look far uh, to see it all around us. You may even be experiencing this within your own home, especially for kids and adolescents. They're the ones that are really getting crushed by all of this, and they're finding themselves with just the skyrocketing statistics of anxiety, depression, addiction, even suicidality rates are all up in our kids and our youth and adolescents. Things that they're dealing with, such as peer pressure, social media shaming, self-doubt, bullying, checked out parents, gender confusion, radical agendas from places we used to trust like our classrooms and the media. It's absolute chaos right now. And because of this, uh, we wanted to have an episode where we stand with you, parents, coaches, teachers, friends. We want to walk alongside of you shoulder to shoulder and just fighting against the tide. And we want to equip you today with some necessary tools uh, just to help our kids, youth, adolescents, young adults, this next generation build their character and live out their lives as God intended and called them to do. Here with me today uh, to discuss the topic of resiliency in our kids is an expert on children, teens, educational psychology, uh, but also matters of the heart. So here with me today to discuss the topic of resiliency in our kids is an expert on children, teens, educational psychology, but also matters of the heart that reside in the intersection of children, parents, and people. Her name is Dr. Kathy Cook. Kathy Cook is the founder and president of Celebrate Kids based in Fort Worth, Texas. She's also the co-founder of Ignite the Family based in Alpharetta, Georgia. She's influenced thousands of parents, teachers, and children in 30 countries through keynote messages, seminars, chapels, and other events. Kathy's the author of six books, including Screens and Teens, Eight Great Smarts, and her latest release, which we'll be discussing today, Resilient Kids, Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence, which we're going to be talking all about in the upcoming episode. Kathy earned a PhD in reading and educational psychology from Purdue University. She was a tenured associate professor of education at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, a teacher of second graders, a middle school coach, 
and a school board member before becoming a full-time conference and keynote speaker in 1991. She's loved Jesus for years, and her faith and desire to serve and glorify God is the foundation of her ministry. My friends, I cannot wait to dive into this book, to unpack it, to unpack what resilience really looks like and how we can raise the next generation of resilient leaders. My friends, without further ado, let me introduce you to my friend, Dr. Kathy Cook. Dr. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited. Thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to it. Yes, ma'am. I'm so just honored and privileged to have the opportunity to sit down with you today to really just glean from the wealth of knowledge and wisdom that you've accumulated throughout the years. Kathy, you're an incredibly gifted author, a powerful keynote speaker all over the country. But something that I know you and I have in common here and that really drives us is the opportunity to just impact and to invest into this next generation, whether it be youth, adolescents, young adults. And I know you have, you've kind of had several positions or roles, coaching, teaching, being a professor throughout the years to do those very things. Up front here, Kathy, I'm just interested before we begin, um, for all of our listeners that may not be familiar with you or your story, if you could just share a little bit about your background and what's really propelled you into the space you find yourself in today. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I come from a really wonderful family. You know, imperfect, but really good family. Yeah. My, my grandfather was mayor of my city when I was growing up. So I grew up watching somebody influence lives with spoken words. And mm -hmm. we con I come from a close family. I went to school and church with cousins and went to church with aunts and uncles and grandparents. And so family mattered to me. And we were driven to um, be excellent. We were driven to have fine character. Education mattered. Um, my, for my brother and myself both. And I just became increasingly sad as I walked out into more and more of the world to find out how many people did not have that. Uh, so my ministry, yeah. Celebrate Kids, is called Celebrate Kids because I was a celebrated kid. You know, some people mm. start ministries from brokenness, which is great. I was a celebrated kid. I was known in my family. I My talents were appreciated and were developed because my mom and dad chose for me to be able to take you know, private lessons and have different encounters in different ways. And the more that I met people who didn't have that, the sadder I got and the more I realized that yeah. Celebrating kids matters, right, Zach? When we pay attention to children, yeah. um, everything changes. So it's a real privilege yep. to do what I do. It really is um, just the true honor and a privilege. I work in that mental health space as well. I love kind of coming alongside of kids in this next gen. And like you said, just being able to maybe be a consistent presence in the midst of their inconsistency. And so for you, Dr. Kathy, not only did you, or not only are you the founder and the president of Celebrate Kids, which you've mentioned there, but also Ignite the Family. Could you just help our listeners understand a little bit more upfront about what's at the heart of these two ministries? Yeah, thanks. I'm um, helping parents. You know, I used to be a teacher educator and uh, God yeah. kept showing me Deuteronomy 6. And, you know, you're taught how to give birth and diaper and feed and bathe a baby and then they send you home. And there's a few more important <laughs> things to understand about raising up children. And yet, as you know, I'm not a parent. I'm single. I'm not even married. But I've been to 30 countries and 50 states, you know, to help parents, which is just remarkable because God equips mm -hmm. us in a variety of ways. And I realized that although what I was doing mattered, uh, the family matters. God ordains the family before he ordains the church. And we need to pay attention wow. to it. And I, I grew up, I grew up in, a, as I mentioned, a multi-generational family. And that's what Ignite the Family is about, a multi-generational biblical worldview. How do we help grandparents and grandchildren relate when they're really very different today? And how do we help parents uh, want influence from their parents, the grandparents of the children, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. And 
So we do it through, you know, speaking and writing and, and creating, you know, programs that matter, really wanting to be uh, present in churches and schools and conventions and uh, speak truth. I think people are so hungry today. And I know you've seen that too, Zach. Yes. You know, back in the old days, yes. you know, even five years ago, dads were afraid to come to parent conferences. They didn't want to be seen as needing help. Mm. Now they know they need help because the culture is chaotic and people are messy. And it's okay to admit, mm. I am so mm. overwhelmed by what's going on out there. Can you help me? And so it's encouraging to be able to do what we do now because there's a, people are teachable and hungry. They want what we have, which is biblical truth. That's right. Biblical truth. And it's so powerful. And like you said, the importance of the family unit, the family dynamic coming alongside of one another, championing one another through the midst of hard times and trials and struggles. You've written a lot about those things. And I think there's no question as we dive in kind of to our topic today, this idea of resilience, right? That the last several years, Dr. Kathy, they've been tough. They've been Mm -hmm. difficult on everyone. I mean, and what I truly believe I would say is not only do we find ourselves in a mental health disaster, but I think those that are taking kind of the brunt of the blows are this next generation, our youth, our adolescents, kids that are, you know, going through so many difficult times. I mean, we see them struggling now. The statistics are off the charts in terms of anxiety, depression, addiction, suicidality, this, you know, constant need to perform or need to be perfect. Dr. Kathy, you're somebody who is on the front lines. I mean, you're speaking, you're writing so much about these topics. What are you seeing and what are you really maybe even hearing from kids and parents in all of the troubling times we find ourselves in. Yeah, well, I appreciate that intro. Um, Nobody's going to stop listening now because you've made it clear that this matters, and I love that. (laughs) Um, You know, I started working on this book or thinking about writing a whole book on this topic during the pandemic because I didn't want young people to define themselves by their losses. And there were so many children, preteens, teens, mm. and young adults who every word out of their mouth, you know, I didn't get prom and I didn't get graduation and my senior soccer season was canceled and our piano recital that I worked hard for. And that's real. Like I would have been sad too. And those are not minor things that happened to these young people. They didn't have the um, foundational wisdom that we have as older people. And so, of course, they were crushed and defeated and many of them angry at God angry at government, anger, anger, anger everywhere. And I just didn't want that to continue. So how could I wanted to write a book that would help moms and dads kind of rescue their children, if you will. You know, God rescues, of course. And how do we help our kids, you know, stand up and walk out of the negatives and not assume that another negative experience will be around the corner. That's right. And with that being said, the book that you're insinuating here is called Resilient Kids, Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence. And this concept of resilience is something that I'm you know, incredibly fascinated by. I've done a lot of research in it uh, in terms of my PhD program. And as I continually um, come across all of the different things that have been written about it, the different works of resilience, what I've noticed is that although there's no concrete definition, there seems to be kind of a common theme, which is positive adaptation in the presence of adversity, or in other words, the ability to bounce back from struggles or from challenge and difficulty. Kathy, I'm interested, what have you learned specifically about resilience over the years, and what have you found to be some key components? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, I do define it as recovering readily. Um, I used to use the phrase bounce back, just like you did. And I pictured Tigger in Winnie the Pooh just bouncing through life. And I realized (laughs) that although that might be ideal, um, bouncing back from trauma isn't as realistic as coming back from trauma. 
and trauma can mean That's anything, right. right? And and Zach, this is one of the ways that we have to respect each other because what is traumatizing to one child is not traumatizing to another. What disappoints one child, another child bounces, right. really does bounce right back from and isn't even affected. So we as parents and coaches and teachers and pastors need to remember that we don't parent the herd, we parent individuals, and we know our children and our student athletes, and we know which one is going to be devastated by the loss of one run versus which kid just you know blows it off and shows up for practice tomorrow as if nothing's happened. So it's a choice to bounce back. Uh, it's a learned ability. I love understanding this idea that the more opportunities we have to come back yeah. from those difficult moments, the, the greater the likelihood it's a learned ability. And then it becomes a part of our character. And, and this is a major influence here at the ministry. Mm. You know what, Zach, you and I, to God be the glory, we don't have to think about being resilient. We are resilient. And children who have had good experiences yes. with difficulties, children who have lost games and made mistakes at piano recitals or forgot a poem at a poem recital at a, at a nursing home, but weren't shamed in the moment and were loved in the moment are going to come back from that and they're not going to own the regret and live in that, that negative space. And so we can give kids positive experiences with their comeback recovery moment so that they want to do that again because it feels so good doesn't it to be victorious over the difficulty yes, yes and then it's a part of my character and when i interview children you know tell me about yourself man if somebody were to say well dr kathy i'm resilient like i would clap for an hour because <laughs> it's that important that yeah. they understand that they're going to have difficult moments. They're going to they're going to make mistakes here and there. They're going to be cut from teams, but it doesn't have to end the world for them. If they have a realistic understanding of how the world works, they're not going to be as depressed and as stressed and as suicidal. Mm. And I love how you've broken that word down because you said it's both internal and external. And you just broke mm. down the internal for us, right? You said it's a mindset, it's a recovery process, and it's a learned ability. It can become almost a part of our DNA, a part of our wiring. As we dive even deeper into this idea that it's a mindset, something that I loved within your book is that you talked about the difference between mistakes and failure. Can you uh. help us kind of decipher between the two? Because I thought that was powerful. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. I find it fascinating as well. In fact, I just spoke to a group of teachers and parents the other day, and they were fascinated by this as well. You know, Zach, you and I know mistakes are going to happen. They're, they're a fact of life. And they yeah. can happen from, for a variety of reasons. Um, our attitude might have been negative. We might have had uh, a lack of teachability. So maybe it's a character issue. Maybe we didn't study the right information mm. long enough. Maybe we weren't attentive in class. So we make mistakes. It doesn't mean we're stupid. But kids think that's what it means. Right. If you look at the research, and you, mm. so you say to a kid, oh, what's the big deal, sweetheart? You just made a mistake. Your child just heard you say, what's the big deal? You're just stupid. So I think one mm. of the most important things for a coach to do and a teacher and a counselor and a, and a mom to do is to talk with kids about in our system, in our team, in our family, in our school, mistake means we haven't learned it all yet. Mistake means mm. we can maybe do better next time. A mistake means we should ask for help because you recognize we don't know everything yet. But you know what it doesn't mean? On our team, mistake does not mean that you're stupid. Right, right.
And that's exactly what it comes down to. Like you said, my dad growing up as a kid, he always told me, Dr. Kathy, that you never, you either win or you learn, you never lose, right? That was his mindset. That was what he always told me right off the bat. You never fail, you never lose, you either win or you learn as long as you try and you put forth the necessary effort. And that was something that I carried with me throughout life. It's something that I kind of ride on, right? That my perspective is what steers my potential. That's the internal state. But then when you broke down that word resilience and you made it external, you talk about how the secret ingredient to raising resilient kids is you. And you were referencing to the parent, to the mom, the dad, the coach, the teacher, right? Tell us why oftentimes our environment is what shapes our experience. Well, you know, there's a lot I could say. And the first thing I'm going to say is back to the question you asked me about mistake and even the word failure, which I think we don't even need to use. Kids think failure means they're bad. So I don't think we should even use the word. So I think part of the, maybe one of the most important parts of our environment would be the language we use and the conversations Mm. we have. Um, So back to your dad, you know, and my my mom and dad would have been the same way. They would celebrate effort, not just ability. And children who are raised where both the ability of, of the brain is, is acknowledged and celebrated and then the choice of the heart to engage is celebrated, those kids are going to end up being healthiest. And, and one of the things to, to point out related to language and being careful, again, of inappropriate use of mistake and failure, um, what I do say in the book, and I think you'll agree with me, is we can't say to our children, you can be whatever you want. Right. So now the mom who said this five minutes ago, no guilt, no shame. This is why you listen to right. the podcast, you know. Right. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of coaches and, and parents and teachers, you know, all that means is I want the best for you. So if mm-hmm. you've said to a grandkid, you've said to a kid, you've said to a student, man, no, you can do it. That's actually toxic positivity. If they think mm-hmm. they can't do it and we say they can, we just made ourselves not approachable. Yeah. If, if right, if I just said, no, you can do it and they were about to ask for help, and they were about to complain, we just stole, we stole that ability for them to be honest with us because I've just implied, you can do it, you can do it, you're like a rocket scientist, brilliant person. So let's be careful. Use the word because. You can do it because it's mm-hmm. so similar to yesterday's paper. Look at how well you did yesterday. You can do it because I'm going to sit right here, and you, you have my permission to interrupt me and ask me for any help that you need. You can Mm. do it because we have prayed to the God of the universe to instill the character quality of teachability and effort in you, and you're going to be fine. And there's no no rush. Sweetheart, I'm not setting the timer. Just take your time. We have to give kids the evidence. Can you hear it in my voice? We have to give them the evidence that they're capable because if they don't think they are, it doesn't matter if we think they are. Mm -hmm. And one more comment related to that, which is interesting about our vocabulary, the ways that we communicate. Do you know that a lot of children define mistake as falling short of an expectation? Mm. Now, you and I might as well, Zach, that if you and I make a mistake later today, it might be that we fell short of what we thought we could or would do. But you know what's important there? You and I have a greater likelihood of setting a fair and realistic expectation. That's right. Right? Because we know how the world works. And you don't win every game that you start to play. And not every coach is kind. And not every referee sees everything that's happening on the field or whatever. So children need our help to know how to set a fair and realistic expectation. Otherwise, my fear is that they will set many expectations that are not realistic so they feel like mistakes all the time. Wow. That's so powerful. And I love that idea 
that we are called to use the proper language, right? I think of 1 Thessalonians 5.11 that tells us and reminds us that we are called to encourage one another, building one another up. What does it mean to encourage someone? If you break down the word, it means to give courage to, right? But doing so with the proper expectation. So I love what you're mentioning there. Also, what I pulled from this book is we're talking about language. We're giving kids these proper expectations is it's reminding them then that there can be strength found in the struggle. And I think James chapter one provides a perfect representation of that in verses two through four when it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith goes on to produce perseverance. So let perseverance finish its race so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. In other words, we don't consider it joy because of the pain or the struggle. We consider it pure joy because of what that pain or struggle can produce in and through us if we allow God to let it, right? Kids aren't better because of the pain. They're better in spite of the pain. Dr. Kathy, in what ways can our struggles strengthen us? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Well, based on those verses that you read from James chapter 1 and amplified, if you will, in Romans 5, 3 through 5, we develop a more Christ-like character. And I've invited mm. audiences to participate with me. In fact, just, just yesterday, uh, as we're recording this today, just yesterday, I spoke in front of 225, 16 to 25-year-olds, and I had them raise their hand if they have more Christ-like character because of the challenges that God has ordained for them. And every hand went up. We know, now don't sit down in the valley. Psalm 23 says, walk through the valley of the shadow yeah. of death. Don't sit down and have a pity party and woe is me, life stinks. No, decide to look up and find the sun and walk through out of the shadow and look then for improvement. I think one of the problems that we have, Zach, is we don't expect to grow. So we don't look for growth. You know, if you're struggling with impatience mm. and unkindness and, and you have no empathy and you hurry and you, you're self-centered, but you've experienced some trauma and difficulties and some valley experiences, what I might call a growth opportunity, expect to grow up and discover I'm not as yeah. self-centered as I used to be. And then thank the Lord for that. So we our character mm -hmm. matures when we are, are faced with struggle and so does our faith. The scripture makes it very mm -hmm. clear. I think when I look at the dropout rate from faith and the dropout rate from church, so much of that is due to the fact that too many people don't know the God of the Bible in an intimate, right. dynamic way because they've never relied on him because they think they can mm -hmm. do it on their own. But you know what I know? When you're in a hard place, yes. and yet even unbelievers in a hard space will tend to reach out to God, and then God shows up, and the light shines, and now do we recognize that we know more about God and more about ourselves, which is why then that struggle is something that was really beneficial to us. It's not easy. I would never talk about it flippantly. I would never invite struggles on people. But I think mm. you know, our responsibility as adults, when a child goes through a hard season, a, a difficult sports season where they just didn't have the greatest team in the world or, you know, a teacher that was maybe mean-spirited or, um, you know, they were sick and they weren't able to be a part of a piano recital or whatever, and it's difficult, feel their pain. If you don't feel their pain, they don't mm. care what you think. So feel their pain and then help them process that so that they realize yeah. that, you know, tomorrow's another day. But don't hurry and say tomorrow's another day. Let them yeah. sit in their suffering a little while Right, mm. so that they can grow through that experience. And, and that, again, mm. is not, not easily done, but I think it is really important. Yeah, and you talk about even this idea within your book of how setbacks can become 
comebacks, right? And you go back to that that reference of language. And I love like what you said, sitting with these kids in the midst of their pain or in the midst of maybe what, you know, their mistakes in certain ways. But you mentioned correct them, but don't criticize them, right? That is such a big thing. And I think of, you know, I think of parents and I think of all these different things and how we can sometimes fall into um, just the misrepresentation of really demeaning kids rather than in a sense demanding something better from them and calling them out rather than calling them up. Speak to them a little bit more just about the significance of the words that they're using with maybe some of their maybe some of maybe it's their kids, maybe it's their athletes, maybe it's their students, Dr. Kathy. What would you share? Um, some good advice for them right now. Yeah, boy, you thoroughly read my book. I appreciate that so much. Well, let me start with the idea of complimenting and then we can go to that correcting space. But you know, one of the most important things we do is point yeah. out children's strengths. The only way that they can come out of a valley yes. experience is to rely upon the Lord and their own strengths. And it's not prideful to know your strengths. It's prideful to think that you're the only one with them, right. or that your strengths are better than somebody else's, or it's prideful to own them and not understand the Creator gave them to you for His glory. It's prideful to not know your weaknesses, but it's not prideful to know your strengths. If you don't know what you can do well, you won't do anything well. Mm -hmm. So be specific in your compliments. It doesn't do a child any good to call them good. Mm -hmm. That was really good. And then we say, keep it up. Mm -hmm. And the kid is like, oh shoot, I did something well I'm yeah. supposed to keep doing, but I don't have a clue what I was doing. But what did they do that was good? Were they, you know, right? You know, were they creative? Yeah. Were they yeah. detailed? Were they authentic? Were they careful? Were they um, gentle? Were they patient? Mm. Did they put grandma first? What did, so this means, Zach, this means that we observe longer. This means that coaches and teachers and parents, we ought to use our eyes and our ears and really intentionally observe so that we can offer hope that the negative yeah. doesn't need to be continually a part of their life. So first thing I would say is compliment specifically. Mm -hmm. Stop saying good job and observe to see what it is that they're doing well. And you can even ask your kids, you can say, or to your student athletes, what are some compliments you would love mm -hmm. to hear me give you? What would you love to mm -hmm. hear? And, and the coach, maybe the oh, coach, I'd love, you to, I'd love to hear you say that, you know, we, we worked diligently. Or, or, Dad, I'd love to hear you say that um, I, I put Mommy first because you told me that I was disrespecting Mommy the other day and I don't want to hurt her heart anymore. So, Daddy, would you help me understand when I'm putting Mommy first because I want to make sure I'm doing that. Now, what an honor that mm -hmm. a child would trust you with what they want to hear yeah. you affirm them with. That'd be powerful. So that's the first idea, compliment yeah. specifically. And I can jump right into the love correcting that. ideas if you want to. Yes, ma'am. All right. So the definition of correct, I like words. Zach, I bet you like words too. Um, when I was a kid, I, I, I liked a thesaurus. I still like a thesaurus and people might think that's weird, but um, I just find words fascinating. And forever ago, I looked up the word correct and criticize because they're very different. I don't like the phrase um, constructive criticism. It's always rubbed me wrong, but I wanted to know why. Well, guess what? The definition of correct is to put it right. And the mm. definition of criticize is to point it out. I don't mm. want to be a critical person. A critical person only points out what is wrong. So if I say, right. is that the way we hold the bat? What's with your attitude? Mm. You call that finished? Right. Is that where we leave our dirty mm. clothes? And the kid is like, yes, actually. You know, um, <laughs> All I'm doing there is point, <laughs> pointing out that something is wrong. But to correct 
puts it right, which means there has to be instruction. Do it this way instead. Try it this way next time. So one of my philosophies, and I wonder what you think of this, Zach, um, unless there's urgency, unless a child is in danger, unless there's um, physical, spiritual, intellectual, emotional, social harm that could take place, when we see something going wrong, I think we keep our mouths shut until we can offer them hope they can change. It doesn't do them any good to be told they're yes. sloppy or lazy or careless or they weren't watching where they were going. Or what were you thinking standing there by second base? You should have known better. None of that helps them change. It just cements, I'm, I'm foolish, I'm stupid, I'm bad mentality, which now makes recovery from difficulties much harder. So what I would love for us to do is observe to find what is wrong. That's part of our responsibility. Observe what is going right and affirm them so they'll keep doing it. Find out what they're not doing well yet so we can help. We are supposed to be coaches and teachers and mentors. And we bring it up when we're ready to help them change. And we give them instruction, not advice. <laughs> instruction. Right. right. It takes longer, right? It mm. takes a lot of words, takes a lot more effort. But in the perfect world, that's what I would love everyone to do. What do you think? No. I love that, and I love that idea, one, of complimenting specifically, like you mentioned, but then as you kind of define the difference between correcting our kids and criticizing our kids. For me personally, growing up playing sports my entire life, I've had great coaches, and I've also had not-so-great coaches. Let's be completely honest, right? And I feel like some of those not-so-great coaches were the ones that, like you said, would be very demeaning, would be very critical, wouldn't give you any instruction. In my heart, right, how I was motivated, I was motivated because I kind of had that safe and secure attachment with my parents where it didn't matter what you brought to me. I could kind of have like the resilience or the wherewithal to just keep pushing forward, right? And I knew my worth, value, and identity wasn't found in my performance, so I could keep going. But I saw so many of my teammates when there was the like the critiquing, just the critical attitude or spirit on a team just completely shut down. And honestly, Dr. Kathy, they did not live up to their fullest potential because there wasn't the coaching, right? And so I love what you're saying. I always found the coaches that said, hey, bud, uh, let me come alongside of you. Let me help you figure out how to do this the right way. I'm coachable. I want that. I'm actually craving that. And I believe that kids crave structure and discipline in the same way, too. Wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. And they, what they want is security. Yes. And they want trust. And they find that in people who coach them, not yell yes. at them, but coach them and, and understand them and make them feel heard and seen. And, and we give them that kind of hope. So absolutely. I like to say that good coaches, and it's also a good teacher, good parent, but good coaches reteach. And reteaching yeah. is not the same thing louder and slower. Reteaching is something a little bit different. And we reteach without shame and blame. Mm. And, and you know... Mm. What do you think, Zach? I think we live in a culture of shame and blame. Absolutely. And so we, we can be better than that. And we can help yeah. them realize, again, they weren't bad or stupid. There's a reason you didn't get it better the first time. You're new. It's challenging. Yeah. You have a right to be distracted. Yada, yada. But here's, here's some things to try next time. Let's rescue them from feeling that they're stupid. Learning new things okay. is not easy. Kids tell me all the time, Dr. Kathy, school was really hard. And I'm like, good. 
And then they're like, no, you didn't hear me. I said it was hard. I'm like, no, good. School should be challenging because you don't know things yet. That's why you go to school. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. But it's like what you're saying. It's that idea of coming alongside of kids. And Dr. Dan Siegel gives us four S's. He says, making them feel safe, seen, soothed, and secure. And that's what you said. Kids are seeking security. And that last kind of chapter or piece of your book, Resilient Kids, Kathy, you mentioned the spiritual resilience. And I'm just interested for you personally, um, as you've gone through maybe difficult times, storms in your own life that have maybe rocked you, pain is inevitable, right? We understand that. But how has your faith just being rooted and anchored in Christ, how has it made you more resilient for the challenge ahead? Oh, man, good question. Well, I know I don't need to rely on myself. In fact, it's foolish to do so. That's right. So I was raised in church by really good people, but I was, an, I was a legalist unknowingly. I did the right things right to check it off a list, and uh, mm-hmm. I kept that list you know, in my mind. And then I uh, came to faith in Christ at the age of 19 after rooming with a girl of a different faith during my freshman year of college. And it took me a while to lean into the wholeness of God But as I did, and as I saw who he wanted to be for me, and therefore who I could relax to be with him, changed everything. Um, And to know that he is wise, he is love, Mm -hmm. he is compassion, he is uh, passion, he is faith and truth and mercy and grace. And uh, one of the things that I think is key in this whole spiritual resiliency thing is that God is, and therefore God does. Um, God is love, therefore he loves. God is wise, therefore he answers our questions. God is patient, therefore he will not give up on us. God is, and therefore he behaves a certain way. And because we know that, we can behave a certain way. Because God is patient, I know he will not give up on me, so therefore I will try again. And I know God is not, you know, f- you know finger pointing at me from heaven somewhere. He's cheering me on because he's my advocate. That's what the Bible says. So do we make sure that we and our kids know the whole of who God is so that we can rely on the whole of who God is? We need to be able to do that. You know, that's how it's it's made a difference for me because he's Alpha Omega and everything in between. And I don't need to be. I can't be. I'm just Kathy Cook. That's right. And knowing that you are worthy of love because you are Kathy Cook and that's who God made you to be. And I think that's the exact piece and representation of what I always find just fascinating i share with so many people and then throughout my life is romans 8 37 to 39 that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us and then it goes on to say that absolutely nothing could separate us from the love of god that is found in christ jesus our lord that to me right that understanding that nothing could separate me or draw me even closer to god's love and so knowing that his his grace his mercy, his forgiveness, his love is something that I could never earn, right? And that is just a blessing and an understanding that. Dr. Kathy, I could sit here and chat with you all day long, talking about <laughs> resilience, talking about how do we instill it within you know, the next generation, our kids, our athletes, our students. But as we kind of wrap this up and we come to a close, I always love to leave our guests with the opportunity uh, to really just have the mic in their hands to share a pressing word that God has placed on their hearts for such a time as this. So Dr. Kathy, to the person out there today who's maybe struggling with trying to instill some resilience into their kids, maybe they're going through a tough time in their own personal life and they're trying to kickstart some sense of resilience, the mindset, find the people to encourage them, to uplift them. What's the last word that you just feel like God's placed on your heart that would instill some hope, encouragement, and motivation for the road ahead? Boy, I feel the pressure. Um, I I like to say to people, don't look back with shame or blame. 
I'm looking forward with hope. So again, the, the purpose of us being here is to, to give you new ideas, to give you a belief system that you two are, are capable of this. So um, that's the first thing is don't regret that you didn't compliment specifically yesterday. Choose to compliment specifically from here out on. And that will please um, both of us. And then I think to realize, and I bet you have said this a lot, Zach, um, our, our kids are going to have a hard time having what we don't have. Yeah. So I will put that out there that we really do need to make sure that we are resilient, that we are not throwing our pity parties, that they don't hear us complain and whine about negative bosses. And what do they hear us say at the red light? You know, when we almost mm-hmm. made it through the yellow light. No, are they observing calm character? Are they observing that we trust God and that we try again and that we don't blame and, um, you know, yell at people inside our head or outside of our head? So um, who are we being in front of our kids? And do we realize that we're worth the effort of becoming more like Christ and our kids need us to to do that so that they also will want the same thing for themselves? Man, Dr. Kathy, I just cannot thank you enough um, just for your time, for your willingness to join us on the show today, for all the incredible work that God is continuing to do in and through your life and for the impact that you've had on countless lives, including my own. I can't tell you how many times I have gone through this book. I have taught its principles. So I challenge all of our listeners to do the exact same. Dr. Kathy, where can our listeners go to find out more about you and about this book, Resilient Kids? Thank you. So our website is CelebrateKids.com. And we are on Instagram and, and uh, Facebook. We're not um, real active there right now for a variety of reasons, but we'll start that up again. And, of course, all of my books are available at the, the typical online retailers if people want to look for my, my name, which is spelled K-O-C-H, um, which is a, a really funny spelling lesson. But if you search for <laughs> Kathy Cook, C-O-O-K, you won't find my books, but search for Kathy Cook, K-O-C-H, and you'll... You'll be blessed, I hope. I really appreciate being on the show, Zach. Thanks for taking uh, my ideas seriously. I appreciate that a lot. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kathy. Again, to all of our listeners, be sure to go and get these valuable resources. They will definitely bless and impact your life. Dr. Kathy, thank you again. Thank you. My friends, what a powerful conversation we were able to have with Dr. Kathy Cook on her book, Resilient Kids, Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence. My friends, I'm telling you guys, please go order the book. It has really impacted my life. It's things I I pulled principles from it and lessons from it and just simplistic things that I have been able to invest in the next generation, those that I get the opportunity of coming alongside of and working with, those that I get the opportunity of shepherding and stewarding in my daily life. It has been such an asset to me and my prayer is that it would be an asset and a blessing in your life as well. How I want to end today's episode, I don't know where you're at in life. You may be going through a very difficult and challenging and adverse situation right now in your own personal life and you're seeking help, hope, and encouragement and you're seeking the necessary ingredients for resilience in your life. What I want to remind you of is how Dr. Kathy, she concludes her book with Psalm 23. It reads this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Once again, it goes back to this idea that God would never lead you 
to leave you. One last thought that Dr. Kathy leaves us with in her book. She writes, teaching and equipping children to be resilient moves them from the damaging, dangerous, and defeating I won't to the empowering, freeing, and affirming I am. May God richly bless you as you parent children with this goal. Then she makes this transition with these thoughts and these words. Begins by saying, I won't, I can't, I don't know how, I wish I could, to I think I might, I might, I think I can. And finishes with, I can, I think I will, I will, I did, I am. My friends, resilience is both internal and external. It's a mindset, it's a recovery process, and it can become a learned ability. What is the secret ingredient to raising resilient kids? That answer, you. I believe that resilience is rooted in relationship, that it requires repetition. Like Dr. Kathy said, be careful and be weary of the words that you say, the language that you use. Always remember to compliment specifically. I love those words, but then to be able to correct rather than critique. Come alongside of your kids. Remind them that they're safe, that they're seen emotionally, that they're soothed, that even in the toughest of times, right, that they never have to suffer alone. And when you're constantly able to provide your children with that level of safety, that safe and secure place to come to in times of need, when you see them emotionally, what's actually going on up here mentally beneath their behavior, and then when you soothe them in times of need, they're able to rely on a sense of security, which is a great promoting factor for resilience. My friends, just thank you so much again uh, for your time, for joining us and tuning in today. My prayer is that you would have been able to take some of the golden nuggets that Dr. Kathy had to share with us, some of her wisdom and her wealth of knowledge, and that you would be able to go and apply that to your daily life as you raise up this next generation of resilient leaders. As always, thank you guys so much for joining us. We love being a part of your life and we appreciate you. And I look forward to seeing you right back here next time on the Built Different Podcast. Podcast.